Being that it's Christmas Eve, I assume you've finished your Christmas shopping, but you may still have some things to do tonight before tomorrow morning. There may be some presents left for you to wrap, and maybe you have some presents that need to be assembled. I remember when I was a kid, every toy commercial, it seemed, ended with that phrase, some assembly required. And that's part of living in the world that we live in, things that are Packed flat, need to be put together. And maybe you're the kind of person who puts it together after it's given, but in one way or another, maybe some assembly is going to be part of your Christmas this year. I recently put some furniture together myself, not for Christmas, but um, as I was assembling it, um, it seemed to me that instructions for these kinds of things have gotten a lot better since I, was an, since I became an adult, like over the years. Whoever writes instructions and draws those little diagrams does a better job of making it clear how to put things together, even for people like me who are challenged when it comes to assembly. But as I was putting this furniture together recently, there reached a point where something just didn't seem quite right. I was just a little bit confused, and that's probably because I was putting together multiple pieces that were similar to each other. Some were identical to each other, and some were similar to each other. And I thought I was putting a piece together that was identical to the one I had just put together before, but it turned out I was wrong, and so something just wasn't right. And so as I looked at the instructions again, and I looked at the piece I was putting together, and I wasn't quite sure what was going on, I felt very frustrated. And finally, I decided, I just need to look at the box. I need to look at the picture on the box. And when I looked at the picture on the box, seeing the finished product helped me figure out what to do next, how to get the end result that I was after. Looking at that picture on the box served as an example for me that I could follow. And sometimes that's what we need. Sometimes in life we need an example to follow. And this principle is true in many areas of life. Seeing the finished product as an example to follow helped me get out of my furniture conundrum. But it's also true when it, in, in other aspects of life including when you're trying to become a better person or improve your life, your behavior in one way or another. If you've ever had a mentor or a coach or just known someone who was really good at life, someone that you admired and looked up to, and someone that you could pattern your life after, then you know the power of a good example. As we worship the Lord together on this Christmas Eve, I want us to see how Christ provides for us, for those of us who are Christians, how Christ provides for us an example to follow. As I mentioned earlier, this is part of a series that I've been doing over the last five Christmases, and the title of that series is Why Christmas? And since there are already five installments in this message and actually several more to go, you may have realized already that there are many reasons why Jesus came. 
into the world on Christmas. But this was one of them, to be our example. Sometimes we need an example to follow. And this is one of the reasons why Jesus came into the world on Christmas. Jesus came on Christmas to give us an example of what God wants us to become in the future. Jesus came on Christmas to give us an example of what God wants us to become in the future. And in Romans chapter 8, we are given some insight into the plans of God for humanity, but specifically for the people in humanity that God is going to redeem, those of us who are called Christians. And in this section of Scripture in Romans 8, the Apostle Paul details for us how God was sending Christ into this world to accomplish a number of things. But one of them was to provide for us an example. And he tells us in this passage of Scripture that this is God's plan. This was God's plan all along. This was God's plan in eternity past for Christ to come and provide for us an example. Now, when I talk about eternity past, I have to, I can't say that phrase without saying that that's really probably not the best way to describe what's going on. Eternity, God is unbound by time. And so there is no past, present, or future for God. God experiences all of it as one eternal present. But we can't understand that. And we know there's a time before God created. And that's what I'm talking about. The plan of God in some way, came about before God created. And in Romans chapter 8, the Bible tells us that before God created the world, and before God created the human race and set in motion the generations that would ultimately result in you and me living on this earth, before all of that, God had a plan He had a plan for his creation, and he had a plan for us. Now, God did not create us so that we would sin. But somehow in the eternal plans of God, he knew that sin would occur, and he decided, he decreed to allow it to happen. He permitted the human race to fall into sin. Our sin was not a surprise to God, even though it was not his plan. In Romans 8, verses 22 through 30, lay out for us a big explanation of what God's plan for humanity has always been. In verses 22 through 25, we learn there that all creation waits in pain for God to come and save us. God created this world, all of it, in perfection. And that perfection was his goal. It's the way things are supposed to be, the way things should have been. And according to the promise of God, when his redemption is finished, it's the way things will be someday. 
But these verses tell us that creation is waiting, it's groaning. As we wait in pain for God to come and save us, to complete that redemption. That's verses 22 through 25 of Romans chapter 8. In verses 26 and 27, the scriptures tell us that God's spirit is in us while we wait. And that spirit helps us while we wait for God to come and save us. But as we come now to the verses that are really the focus of this part of the message and the relevant ones for the message that I want to bring to you this morning, this evening, I should say. I'm I'm stuck in that Sunday morning habit. In verses 28 through 30 of Romans chapter 8, we are told that God is working in us while we wait. He's working on us for our good, and he's working around us to accomplish his good purpose in our lives. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, the Bible tells us that everything God is doing is proceeding according to plan. Now that's not easy for us to see, or it's not, and it's not easy for us to remember. As we live in this world and we see greater chaos and greater sin and depravity around us, It's hard to see and hard to realize that God's plan is proceeding according to plan, just as God has always planned for it to be. But that's what the scriptures tell us. And as we look at Romans chapter 8, verse 29, we read these words, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. This verse tells us that God is working and he is proceeding according to his eternal plan. That verse, Romans 8, 29, begins with the words, for those God foreknew. It tells us that God foreknew us those of us who come to know him through Jesus Christ. And that means before God created anything, God planned for us to exist. Not planned for us to exist in the general mass of humanity, but that God knew each individual one of us. And he planned for us to exist as we are, when we are, in this world. And in planning for us to exist, those of us whom God is going to redeem in Jesus Christ, God not only planned for us to exist, but he loved us. The word foreknew in the scriptures usually has the idea of foreloving. You may be familiar with the King James translation when it describes the physical union, the sexual union of Adam and Eve. It says, Adam knew his wife Eve. That word knew describes an aspect of human love. And that same concept is usually carried in the idea of foreknowing. It doesn't mean just that God knew before, but rather that God loved before he even created humanity. But having chosen to love us in eternity past, Romans 8.29 goes on to say, He also predestined 
us. That means God sent, set, he set the destination for us in advance. Just like when you get in your car and you punch in an address into your phone or your GPS system. So that the instructions will show you how to get to your destination. You are predestining yourself to arrive at that address. And when the Bible says that God, before he created anything, chose us, he chose to love us, it, then it says he set the destination for us. And that destination is described in verse 29 with these words, to be conformed to the image of his son. What was God's plan for all of this? To create and then allow the fall to happen, allow the world and the universe to fall into the corruption and under the curse of sin. The plan was so that God could redeem us and then set us on a destination to be conformed to the image of his son. This is the destination, God's destination for every Christian. That we will become like Jesus Christ. And this is where this verse connects with Christmas. God is determined to make you and me and every believer in Jesus Christ to become like Christ in our moral character. To be conformed to the image of his son. That's what Romans 8.29 says. But how do we know what God's son is like? And how could we know what he is like? The answer is we know what God's son is like because he came into the world on Christmas Day. God's destination for all Christians was that we would be conformed to the image of his son. But in order for that to happen, we had to know what his son was like. And so one of the reasons that Christ came into this world on Christmas Day was so that we could see the perfection of the Son of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord. On Christmas Day, God the Son became a man named Jesus. And he did this for the many reasons that we've been exploring in this series, one Christmas Eve at a time over the past five years. But one of those reasons was so that we could know what Jesus is like, so that we would know what we are supposed to be like. That's what's indicated in Romans 8.29 when it says, God predestined us to be conformed to the image of his Son. But notice the next phrase in verse 29. Because it says this, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. This is probably the most overlooked phrase in this passage, in this verse for sure, but maybe in this whole paragraph of Scripture. It's a well-known paragraph of Scripture, but I think this phrase is often overlooked. This phrase that says that Christ was destined, and we were destined to be conformed into his image so that he could be the firstborn among many brothers. That word firstborn describes Jesus' role in coming into this world. As the firstborn, he goes first in terms of everything God wants us to become. 
as followers of Jesus Christ. I have two brothers. One of them is a year and a half older than me, and the other one is four years younger than me. Because my older brother was close enough in age to me, we did a lot of things together. We were injected into a lot of new experiences at the same time. But also, he went before me in many ways. He was the first one of us to ride the bus to school and to go to school. He was the first among us to go to summer camp. He was the first among us to take up a musical instrument and learn how to play it. And I could go on and on like this, but you get the point. But because I was right coming after him just a year and a half later, that meant when I went into these new situations, they were new for me and in many ways scary for me. But I was comforted by the fact that my brother was there, that he had already experienced these things. And when I was in one of those new situations, riding the school bus for the first time, going to summer camp for the first time, or whatever, and I wasn't sure what to do or how to do it, all I had to do was look at my older brother and see what he did and follow his example. When Romans 8.29 says that we, that God predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, that's really what the scripture is telling us. It's telling us that Christ came into this world to give us a pattern to follow. And like an older brother who is the pioneer, the first one to experience everything God wants us to do and to become, by his people. Christ was the first one to rise from the dead and have a perfected body that never died again. And in many ways, he sets forward and sets forth for us the pattern that God wants us to follow. And so to sum up this part of the message, Christ came to give us an example of what God wants us to become. Like an older brother who we admire and look up to and follow, Jesus fits perfectly in that role and provides for us the example of who God wants us to become in the future. And this was God's plan throughout all eternity. Christ came on Christmas to give us an example of what God wants us to become in the future. This was God's plan from eternity past. But we also learn when we look at Christ as our example, something else. That this is actually the plan that God will complete in the future. This is what God planned for all eternity past, for Christ to come into this world and do many things, one of them to be an example for us. But that plan continues and will be resolved, will be completed in the future. And we see this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, where the scripture says, Dear friends, now are we the children of God. 
That describes what Christ did in his first advent when he died on the cross for our sins and paid the penalty for our sins and redeemed us from this fallen world and conferred upon us the rights and privileges of sonship. The scripture says, but to as many as believed him, to them he gave the authority to become the children of God. So the first part of 1 John 3 verse 2 describes our present condition. We are the children of God now. But the verse goes on to say this, and what we will be has not yet been made known. This talks about what is going to be true in the future. And when it says that what we will be has not yet been made known, that doesn't mean it hasn't been made known at all. We know some things about God's plan for the future. In some ways, we have some very specific information about God's plan for the future. But there's some key things that are still unknown to us. One of them is the timing of God's plan for the future. We don't know when that is. And because we don't know when it is, it leaves us in a state of uncertainty while we live on this earth. But here's what we do know. Whenever God's plan reaches its fulfillment... Whenever the second advent of Christ occurs and the plan of God reaches those end stages and finally arrives in completion, whenever that happens, that's when we will be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ, the very thing that God planned from the beginning. 1 John 3 verse 2 goes on and says this, but we know that when Christ appears. This refers to Christ's second coming, his second advent. When Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Even in the future planning of God, when his plan is finally perfected and completed, even then, Christ is the example that we follow. It's seeing him as he is that will reveal to us what God, in specifics, has always predestined us to become. When we see Jesus fully glorified in his second advent and bringing his kingdom on this earth, we will know and we will become exactly who God redeemed us to be because we'll see Christ in his perfection. And we'll know, this is what God is doing for me. This is what God redeemed me for. This is who I am really supposed to become. And so that's the big idea for today's message. It's that Christ came on Christmas to give us an example of what God wants us to become in the future. This is important. Because one of the things we know about the future that awaits us is that the future that awaits us is a perfect kingdom. And in that perfect kingdom, there are no sins to be repented of and redeemed from. That's been accomplished by Christ. And there are no mistakes. And there is no death. 
And if the kingdom of Christ that is promised, that Christ will bring when he returns and establish when he returns, if that is a perfect kingdom, as God has said, that means that only perfect people are allowed inside. And so for Christ to be our example means that God is going to use his example and his word to change us into the perfect person that Christ himself already is. Now, Christ is perfect by his very nature because he is the second person of the Trinity, but he is a perfect man, fully glorified. And before you and I can enter the kingdom of God, we must be perfected. And that's what following Jesus as a Christian is all about. It's moving through that process where God removes the sins and imperfections from us and shapes us slowly but consistently into the moral and spiritual image of his son, our big brother, Jesus Christ the Lord. And I told you that there's a past aspect of it. This is what God decreed in eternity past, that we would be conformed to the image of his son, Romans 8, 29. And I told you there's a future aspect of this, that when we see Christ in his second advent, we will be like him, 1 John 3, verse 2. But what about the present? What happens in this life when it comes to following the example of Jesus Christ? And that's what I want to finish this Christmas Eve message with tonight. I want to encourage you as a Christian, as we celebrate the birth of Christ, to follow the example of the Christ in the present until God transforms you in the future. Christ is our example. He's our pattern. And the Bible calls on us in the present to follow his example and learn to live as Christ himself did. The first thing that this means is that Christ was sinless. So follow his example and cut sin out of your life. When it comes to following the example of Christ, we have to deal ruthlessly with our sins in this life by the power of God. A moment ago, I showed you this verse. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, which says, Dear children, now are we the children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. But the very next verse takes that truth that someday we're going to be like Christ perfectly and applies it in the present when it says this, All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. The phrase purifies themselves describes this process of rooting sin out of our life and becoming more holy. We call this, the technical term for it is sanctification, becoming holy like Christ is. But even in that, even in our sanctification, Christ himself provides the example for us. For John says, purify yourself just as he is pure. And in these verses... 
and in other verses of Scripture. Christ is held out as our example to follow in this life as we seek to become more like him in the way that we live. Now, if you're not a Christian, this is not the place to begin. You can't earn the favor of God by trying to clean yourself up. You can try all you want to be pure, just like Jesus is, but you can't do it. It's not where following Christ begins. One of the other reasons that Jesus came into this world was to die as a substitute for sinners, and that's all of us. We're all sinners and guilty before God. One of the reasons that Christ came into this world that was the subject of a different message in a different year was that he could come and be our substitute, that he could take the wrath of God on himself so that you could receive the forgiveness of sins, not by works, but as a gift, a free gift from God himself. And so one of the reasons Christ came was to pay the penalty for sin. But for those of us who are Christians, who have received the free gift of salvation in Christ, we have the hope of eternal life in Jesus Christ. And that hope of eternal life is the knowledge that while we wait for his return and our perfection to be completed, we should live in this life using what God has given to us to perfect us so that we become like Jesus Christ in this life. Christ came to be our example. And as Christians, God calls us to follow him to follow his example, applying his word to our life and then our lives to obedience by cutting sin out of our life and pursuing a holy life. And that old phrase that was popular for a time and I don't know, I feel like now it's kind of fallen by the wayside, but it's what would Jesus do? That old phrase can really be helpful to us as we seek to become like Jesus in our character and root sin out of our life, would Jesus say what you're about to say? Would Jesus choose what you're about to choose? Would he do what you're about to do? These kinds of questions can help us to follow his example in the present until God comes and perfects us in the future. And so Christ, as a sinless example for us, calls us to follow him by cutting sin out of our life. But secondly, I want to encourage you tonight as we conclude these Christmas meditations with this idea. When we are tired and discouraged by this unredeemed world, the Bible calls us to think about Jesus and the example that he provides. Remember that Romans 8, where we began, talked about how creation groans for the redemption. It says, we ourselves groan. This unredeemed world is a place that's hard to live in. It gets tiring and discouraging. The more that we become like Christ and the harder we pursue Christ and seek to become like him in our lives, the more difficult it becomes to exist in this world without the discouragement that comes along. But the scriptures tell us in those moments when we, when we groan and when we struggle with living in an unredeemed world, it tells us to look to Christ, our example. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, the scripture says this, 
Let us run with perseverance. The race that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then the author of Hebrews calls us again to look at Jesus, our example. It says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. How do we keep going in our pursuit of becoming like Christ as Christians in a world that is dark and sinful and discouraging? We look to Jesus, our example. He serves not only as the example of the sinless son of God, child of God, that God is making us into, but he also serves as an example to encourage us not to give up despite the hardships of following him in this life. 2020 has been a strange, tough year for most of us in many ways. And although this new year is almost here, the problems that will forever be associated with 2020, are going to linger into 2021. The turn of the calendar isn't going to make them magically go away. While all of us are dealing with discouraging things, some of you have even greater burdens than the rest of us are dealing with. If you're tired and discouraged, what do you do On Christmas Eve, the answer is consider him. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus endured more pain and suffering. He endured more betrayal and disappointment. He endured more physical pain and emotional anguish than you and I will ever endure in this life, no matter what happens to us. But just as he endured the race and won, and so set the example for us, God's word says, follow it, follow his example, consider him, and know that just as Jesus endured the hard things of life, and won the race that God sent him for. So you and I will win if we don't quit. If we consider Jesus and follow his example. Why Christmas? Why do we celebrate the day that we call Christmas? Why do we think about the coming of Christ into this world? And what should we learn about his coming in this world? There are many answers to this question, but the one that I think God wants us to consider tonight is that Christ came on Christmas to give us an example of what God wants us to become in the future. So let's follow his example, even as we celebrate his birth.